This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Siobhan Moran-McFarlane. It's Tuesday the 27th of February. In your Squiz today, police put together a double murder timeline an Aussie is kidnapped in PNG, the pay gap is in the spotlight, and a voice note dilemma. This is your Squiz today. Siobhan, New South Wales Police gave an update yesterday on the search for Channel 10 presenter Jesse Baird and his partner Luke Davies' bodies. They're piecing together a timeline of what the accused killer, who's police officer Bo Lamar Condon, got up to last week after the couple's alleged murders. Yes, New South Wales Police Commissioner Karen Webb and her deputy David Hudson said that Baird's phone was used to call triple zero about four minutes after gunshots were heard at his Paddington home on Monday. But they're not sure who made that phone call because it disconnected before anyone spoke. Now, as for what they believe happened, Lamar Condon, who is Baird's ex-partner, is accused of hiring a van and driving it to Bungonia, which is about two hours southwest of Sydney on Wednesday last week. They also allege he purchased weights and an angle grinder, which they claim he used to sever a padlock from the gate of a private property and later replaced it with the new padlock he'd purchased. And they believe he dumped Baird and Davies' bodies somewhere on that property. That's right. They say they have evidence of Lamar Condon returning to Bungonia at least once before handing himself in to police on Friday when he was arrested and charged with murder. Yesterday, divers searched two dams at that property in question, but a police spokeswoman later said that nothing of interest was found. So Hudson says the concern is that the couple's bodies were moved from the property during a gap in the timeline that investigators have put together. And Lamar Condon isn't assisting police with the search, so they're not getting any answers there. Hudson also says that their number one priority is to locate Jesse and Luke to give the family some solace and be able to come to terms with what's happened. And in the meantime, Commissioner Webb has met with the couple's families. As for what's happening today, reports say police have now turned their search efforts to Grays Point, which is in southern Sydney. And the issue has also brought the relationship between New South Wales Police and the LGBTIQ plus community under the microscope. Last night, Sydney's Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras Board requested police not march in this weekend's parade, saying their participation could intensify the current feelings of sorrow and distress in the community. An Aussie pilot has been released after being kidnapped at gunpoint in Papua New Guinea's Highlands region yesterday, along with two local technicians. PNG Police Commissioner David Manning says the trio were taken during a planned stop by what he says is an issue-motivated group. Yes, yeah, so reports say that after several hours of negotiations with the kidnappers, the Australian pilot and Papua New Guinean subcontractors were released without harm. Manning says the focus is now turning to the abductors. He says they're being tracked so that they can face justice. Now, Alice, kidnappings and violence are common in this region. Just last year, an Aussie professor was among a group of researchers who were taken hostage for a week before also being safely released. 
And Siobhan, we mentioned this in the podcast last week. There was a massacre of more than 50 people in the Highlands region after clashes broke out between warring tribes there. And it's led to calls for more financial support to enhance the stability of our closest neighbour. Less than a month after a 29-year-old woman sustained serious leg injuries in a rare shark attack in Sydney, another woman with similar injuries is in a serious condition after being bitten off the coast of Western Oz yesterday. Ambulance workers were called to Durian Bay, which is about 220 kilometres north of Perth, just before midday. And two rescue crews were also dispatched, as well as a helicopter. The woman is aged in her 40s and reports say it's thought she was attacked by a two-metre-long tiger shark while swimming in the water off Sandland Island, a spot popular with tourists who want to swim with sea lions. A private boat brought her to shore and she was rushed to the local hospital before being airlifted to Perth. And Siobhan, several local beaches were closed yesterday afternoon with officials urging people to take additional caution in the area while they investigate. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP. Big Aussie businesses are firmly in the spotlight today. Data on the pay gap between men and women at major companies has been published for the first time, Siobhan. So the Workplace Gender Equality Agency used to keep this pay info under wraps, but Parliament passed laws last year to make sure that it went public. So about 5,000 companies have had their wages data exposed. And a couple of really big ones to note are Jetstar, which has a median gender pay gap of 53.5%, while Virgin is at 41.7%, and Qantas is at 39.3%. So some really big numbers there, Alice. Mm, And a couple of the big banks have also been named. Commonwealth Bank's median gender pay gap is 29.8%, and Westpac's is 27%. Reports say the disparity is generally fuelled by more men being employed in more lucrative senior roles. And what the Workplace Gender Equality Agency Chief Executive Mary Wooldridge says is that the exercise isn't meant to name and shame. She says in a tight labour market, it's very risky for employers not to take this issue seriously. Love them or hate them, Siobhan, voice notes have been gaining popularity over the last few years. I was telling you earlier that I get a lot of these from my friends. (laughs) And they're, of course, the audio messages that you can send to friends and family, kind of like long voicemails. Yeah, I get a lot of long accidental ones of these where someone sat on their (laughs) phone and I get six minutes of bumbling silence. Um, And that's why they're controversial, or in my case, quite annoying, because they can go on much longer than voicemails. Mm -hmm. Now, you might get sent a quick 30-second reminder of a joke or something like that, something fun, but uh, God forbid you might also get a six-minute deep dive into something (laughs) that happened during their day. And the explosion of these longer, time-consuming voice notes has forced an etiquette expert to speak up. 
Elaine Swan says we need to exercise self-control before hitting send on a long-winded voice note. (laughs) And I would say a double-check what you've sent. That's a good call. (laughs) She also suggests that we keep our long storytelling moments for phone calls and that we only send voice notes when tone is necessary but a conversation is not. So she says an example of that is when we need to apologise for something. Yes, like maybe a sorry if you've sent a lot of long voice notes in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Squeeze the day, Siobhan. What are you keeping your eye on? So Taylor Swift has just left Oz after a couple of huge weeks here. But Mm -hmm. if your kids are hungry for some more content about her, Squeeze Kids has done up a shortcut on Taylor and her background. So it's all about how a young girl who grew up on a Christmas tree farm in Pennsylvania became such a pop culture phenomenon. Now, they also touch on how her performer grandma inspired her music, which is something that I didn't know about before. So it's really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. One of my favourite tracks of hers is Marjorie, which is named after her grandma and is all about her Mm. singing career. So if you or the kids in your life want to get into her backstory, you can find that shortcut in the Squiz Kids feed. That should be in there this morning. And that's it for us today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.